Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McMenamin. This week, Sean and I are discussing effective verification and validation, the difference between the two, and how they're used. So, with that, let's start the show. So, Sean, we're going to talk today about a very interesting topic that uh, is a little bit obscure in the in the business process. It's uh, verification and validation, kind of two words that are kind of difficult to wrap your head around. Uh, at least it is for, for me to some degree. So I did a little bit of uh, researching and, and kind of came up with some some definitions of verification and validation. And one of them that I found said that verification is building the system right and validation is building the right system. So that definition, does that help any at all? Or I think so, yeah. They, they did yeah. go on to say that validation is concerned with checking that the system will meet the customer's actual needs, which that kind of helped me a little bit further, while verification is concerned with whether the system is well-engineered, air-free, and so on. So I think that that extended definition definitely helps me understand it even further. But it's still a very, um, still a very vague process to me. Well, using the two different words, um, the, the way I reconcile is, is validation is, 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 a bigger, is a bigger scope, bigger picture than verification. You know, you're verifying steps along a process that is validated. Okay. Right. That's, that's the way I, I, I look at it. And, and, you know, if you think about what people do to, to make what they – would they their actions sound better as they they try to you know validate what they're doing? Yeah, they try. They don't try to verify. They try to validate. Meaning what that what their what their general scope of, of operation that they're doing is right. So so uh, from that aspect, you know the validation part is is a bigger broader picture than verifying a step. Okay, so when you're when you're verifying a step, your step, you're you're talking about the validation part of it, right? Or the verification part? Verification on steps. So verification on steps. Validation is the bigger picture. Yes. Okay, I got you. That that makes sense, and I, I think that uh, uh, when they talk about verifications, they're talking about usually a well-engineered process of some sort that that helps verify whether you're doing something correctly. Yeah, just so so like like um, we were talking about earlier. I, I kind of liken it to you know the uh, the process and the the age of uh, the age of the process is is kind of inversely proportional to the verification. Okay, the number of the number of steps. So if you have a new process, you're going to have most likely a higher verification um, higher verification input. On those steps, okay. so if, they, if the step, if the process is new, you're going to have more checking along the way to make sure that that the people are doing what they are supposed to be doing in that step. Now, the validation of that process, you know, okay, so think of it this way: you validate if a customer wants wants a car, and the car is going to be blue, you know, 
the initial the initial validation is, hey, the process I'm lining up is to give them a a blue car. It's not the process that gives them a red truck. Right. Right. So so the validation really does happen at the beginning of the process and then in the management scope of the day-to-day operations. Hence why this definition said validation is concerned with checking that the system will meet the customer's actual needs. Right. The end goal. Yeah, the end goal. So, so how does, how does the average person wrap their heads around something like this and, and where can they use it? I I almost think that they can use, um, verification throughout their whole system, but validation seems to have more pinpointed areas as to where it can be used. Right. Well, verification, you want to set up, you want to set up a system that has, Self-verification points. You, you don't necessarily want to overlay an additional layer of, of verification. So you don't want to have a quality person coming behind everyone that's got some action to accomplish and make, make sure that that action is, is done. So if, if somebody has got a list of tasks to do, if they've got a, a verification sheet where they can check off the actions that they've done, well, then, then, then that, that process can move down a step or, or the, the product can move down a step in the process without having somebody actually check against the checklist that that, that, that worker actually produced. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So one of my favorite tools in the quality arena is the SIPOC diagram. And part of the SIPOC diagram is understanding your inputs and your outputs. I would assume your inputs – could help to be your tool for doing uh, the validation. Yeah the, yeah, the inputs are definitely the tool to help with the validation of the entire scope of, of the activity. Well, but like you were bringing up, you were saying that you definitely you don't want to overlay more processes to you know check something or to uh, create something just to. Uh, validate that the, the activity happened. You want to make sure that there's something in the system to help do that. So, what would that be? I mean, could it could it be a checklist, or you know, could it be a, a PO, or could it be um, well, something yeah, that already existed? A PO a PO would would drive the, the validation of what needs to be done. A checklist would would be the verification step that somebody that somebody takes because you're verifying that it actually happened. Yeah, that that stuff happens. Now, now what their check what their checklist is is driven towards should be what the customer ultimately wants, right? The, the checklist isn't going to be a bigger picture view of of the actions happening. The checklist is is pretty narrow when it comes to you know, what has to be done and what that person has to be done. Yeah, but we need to keep in mind that a customer could be the next person in line. So, again, thinking about the SIPOC diagram, um, mm-hmm. your your customer might be the next person in the process chain. It doesn't necessarily have to be the big end game uh, okay. customer. It could be, you know, the next person in line. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so, but it's still a step. It's still a step in, in underneath the umbrella of the – the 
product that they're getting and the validation that that product that they're getting is, is right. The right okay. Yeah. So looking at the amount of checking that, uh, you know, does need to be done, I think, a, I think that's one of the areas that a company really needs to look at is where is their time well spent on in, ensuring that they're doing the right things and that they're getting their work done appropriately. Now, of course, the, the knee-jerk reaction is to add all this checking into the process. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of this has to do with how mature your environment is, you know, how far along you are in your quality program. But, you know, when something goes wrong, it's, uh, hey, did we check that? You know, so how do we, how do we combat, you know, not knee-jerking into creating uh, processes that really add to your, more or less add to your cycle time and, you know, maybe don't give you that much payback. Right. Extra checking and quality steps are, are anti-lean. They are, they are definitely adding non-value to that whole process. Now, are you saying that that means you should never do it? No, there's, there's certain times that it, that it has to be done. Right. And, and the re and the reason it has to be done are because of those inputs, people, machines, environment, whatever, whatever could call cause variability in your process you really do have to have a a step check or a check step in in the process. Okay. The one thing that I did want to get to one thing the one thing I didn't want to get to though is instead of when something goes wrong and the question gets asked, did we check that? I, I would much rather and I always try to steer the conversation is, okay, well what should we do to prevent it? I don't care that we didn't check it or we did check it. It happened. So now you have to you have to go upstream of the initial activity that caused whatever the problem was, and say, what do we have to do here? What action do we take here to prevent the output from that step to be wrong or to to, to need to be checked? I, I don't want to have somebody. The thing is, I don't want to have somebody do work that gets checked, and if it's wrong, that person has to be, has to redo it. Okay. Well, if they if that person has to redo it, is there additional training or something? That, that needs to be done so that they don't do that step wrong. If, if there's a possibility of them doing it wrong, we know that now. Right. So what can, we do, what can we do ahead of time to make sure that it, it seamlessly goes through that process step? And, and, I, and I say people, but it could be a, a person or a, or a machine or something like that. Whatever, whatever, whatever error is coming out, Let's not think, oh, let's check to make sure that the error is right. You can check to make sure that the error is wrong. Yes, that's a wrong error. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's wrong. So, so to me, that is, that is so non-value added. It's, hey, this is data that, that, that I'm seeing that you know, 20% of the pieces come out and they're backwards. So it's almost okay? like a lazy answer. To me, checking is a lazy answer. The, the thoughtful answer is, okay, what can I do? from the planning side and from the engineering side and from the management side to prevent this from happening. Now, I'm not saying that you can do that and create a, a perfect system no matter what you're building. It's an iterative process, this, this quality journey that we're taking. Uh-huh. So when you, do, when you do collect data based on outputs, take that data, take that data and think about preventing errors from happening rather than, hey, this is a spot where we have to check. 
because, you know, we can have many, many examples. Mondays, you know, people say, don't, don't ever buy a car. Don't ever buy a car on a, on a Friday afternoon, right? I was going to say Mondays, but I think it's Friday afternoon. You don't want, you want to buy a car on Friday afternoons. Well, now you're intriguing me. Why? Well, because people want to go home for for the weekend, and they're not they're not too bit, they're not too interested in in uh, doing a. At least this is what I understand, maybe from the old days or whatever. <laughs> I was going to say, don't auto robots. don't don't car salesmen work all weekend long, anyways. <laughs> well, the car salesman, yeah, but no, you don't want the car that was manufactured on a Friday afternoon. Oh, oh, oh! I got gotcha. you. I, yeah, I, because I, maybe, I, cause maybe people people don't want uh, you know to. Do a quality job. They want to get home for the weekend. Gotcha. Okay, I thought it's you were talking about the salesperson. <laughs> no, the salesperson. They're selling anything on their own. Yeah, they'll do whatever they can to make a sale. Yeah. So That's right. one of the the points we talked about earlier was um, uh, pokey oak and safeguards. You know, setting up a process so that the employee can pick the right answer. Now, I think that that's definitely one good avenue to look at and go down is how can you take this process and and pokey oak it. And of course, pokey oak is error proofing is what we're talking about there. And a lot of people will say, well, how do you pokey oak an intangible process? I understand pokey oaking a physical thing like with a jig or something like that. But how, how do you fo- pokey oak a, a, a process? And I, I think it can be done. It just takes a little bit of work. You know, right. well, you know, and, and I try because we're in the engineering field that we we custom manufacture the components in, in the companies that we work for. So I try to think of of other examples. You know, like in in some industry that you're just shuffling paper, you're moving paper. You know, pokeyoking could be you know one 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 category of paper is on yellow paper, and one one category of forms or whatever is on green forms. You know, it, when it's when it's contained in your own company, you can you can do these things to make sure people and and machines and processes uh, put the right form you know in the right category, and so that if you know you've got an orange piece of paper with a green piece of paper, you know that there's an error. Right. Okay? So, so pokey oaking at least at least knowing which forms are which, you could color code them or something like that. So, right. and um, you can do automation with systems and things like that to help with electronic data. Um, yeah. You can build up uh, information. So we, you know, we've talked about estimating several times. If you build something up and build some of that error-free activity into the estimate, so that let's say they can only pick certain things in a drop-down menu, or they can only pick. You know certain prices after a certain quantity and things like that. So you can build a lot of that into the um, into the electronic tools uh, that we have these days. So so there is ways of pokeyoking information, not mm-hmm. only uh, uh, pokeyoking uh, physical things. You know, but yeah. of course that's that's uh, one of the things that people you know they have a hard time wrapping their minds around, and of course. I think your employees are, play a big role in this whole process of verification and validation and how well do you trust your employees and you know are they trained you know how much room do we give them to to make errors and and get them corrected you know so that's another thing that I think is very important to this well and and I think that's a a very important part of managing the culture of the organization Right. You, you know, if somebody if somebody's doing something a process and, and they have an error, okay, do you have, you know, some level of checking verification in it 
And if, if you do, okay, then, you know, work that, work that back through so that it gets, that it gets fixed. But what you would like to grow into is, is a better understanding of that employee doing their, their step in the process of maybe making an error, but catching it, but, but catching it before it, it goes to the next stage of the, of the process. So, right. so if you have the time and the, and the, uh, the ability to, to allow the person to make errors, but then have a mechanism to teach them to prevent the errors, you know, after you've done all the pokey oaking and, and, you know, input safeguards that you could, if, if there is, and the data shows that errors still come, uh, then you spend a lot more time training that person to prevent the errors. Right. And I think that, uh, I think that's one of your uh, biggest areas that any company needs to focus on is, is how well are their employees trained? You know, that's yeah. really, at the end of the day, that's your, your biggest resource, your biggest investment is your employees. So if they are, um, if they are adding errors to the process, then there's quite a few things you should look at as far as whether, you know, training, whether you've got the right tools in place, whether you have the correct information in place, you know, all those types of things. In other words, you need to help them be successful. Exactly. And I'm glad you put it that way because all too often I've seen, I've seen too many manager type people say, Oh, that person's no good. Or that, that person doesn't know what they're doing. And nine nine times out of 10, it's that manager's fault. Exactly. I agree with you completely. That's where I would look to immediately. Okay. What have you done to help the person? Right. The person, the person got hired first of all. So they had, they had an ability, they had a capability. So what did you do to assist them in getting their job done well? Right. You know, and we need to make sure that these employees have the ability to provide feedback. You know, uh, know, once they notice something, once they see something in the process of uh, verifying or validating something, you know, do they have the ability to um, raise that thing up and, and figure out how to get it resolved and get it resolved immediately. Do they have the authority? Do they have the capability? And do they have the trust of the company to actually take care of resolving that issue? And I think, again, that's a cultural thing, but making sure that they can do that is a is very important to growing and becoming better. Right. That should be a piece of the overall view of, of the process, whether you're you know the manager of one area or the operations person over the whole the whole organization, making sure that that the culture is is nurtured by communicating with the, with all the employees, both from the management down standpoint and from the employees up standpoint. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely has to go both ways because you you know what will happen if if they try to uh, generate feedback to improve a process and things like that, and it just doesn't happen. Nobody listens to them. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they go around. They go around the system. They go around the system. Exactly. That's exactly right, and that's what you don't want. No, no, because then you have where you should have one process, or at least if you're living with your head in this, and you think there's one process, but there could be ten processes because each individual thinks that they know how to do it better, and because nothing was done from their feedback, if, if this is the case, if nothing gets done from, from their feedback or at least communication amongst the whole group as to what needs to be done as a whole with the process, then, then each individual will 
figure out their own way to go around the system. And, and you're, you're going to have then poor data to even understand what's going on and who knows what kind of product quality you'll have going on. Yeah. I, so I think in summarizing this, this whole uh, discussion and this topic, you know, I still have a bit of a hard time wrapping my head around these two words. You know, they, they still, um, you know, bewilder me a little bit. I understand the details that make up the two words, but as far as the two words themselves, they still they still boggle me a little bit. But I think the the description that it that it gave as far as you know validation being concerned with checking that the system is meeting the customer's actual needs helps me a lot. And while verification is concerned with whether the system is well engineered and error free, I do think that those two sentences are different ways of saying almost the same thing. And I can't quite pinpoint why, but you know, maybe you can help me with that on your summary. How would you summarize our discussion today? Yeah. Our our discussion really is on how much verification to me, it's how much verification needs to be done. The validation, the validation of what you're providing the customer has to happen. Uh, at the beginning of a job, so so it's it is a a reason why we are in business providing this product. Gotcha. Is validation okay. is the validation. Okay. So the verification the verification then is that that sub level of, of of process checking and process quality. So so verification happens on a step to step basis, and how you do that verification, whether it's self verification or um, pokey oaking or an external quality person looking at the output from one step to the next. You know, it can be it can be done based on again how mature your process is and what the, the, the needs are of the product. Saying and, and keeping in mind that it's not a value added step to check somebody else's work. That's right. So, would you say that validation is the bigger picture and verification is the steps along the way? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. I, I'm starting to. Starting to wrap my head around a little bit further. Why don't we uh, go ahead and get into the uh, the picks for the week? Why don't you go ahead and do yours first? All right. Well, you see, I think I think this exchange here supports my pick of the week. And yeah, um, believe me, folks, we did not uh, plan this. No, but uh, <laughs> mine mine was uh, um, I can use as a sounding board. You know, when you've got ideas or or hurdles in your own job or life or sports or whatever. Um, you know, bounce it off of somebody, bounce it off of somebody that speaks your language so that so that you don't have to get too bogged down in explaining what your what your impediment is. So, so having a mentor? Yeah, well either a mentor or a, a colleague that you can bounce things off of. Yeah. Um, you know you know, and I'll tell you it's kinda of funny, hopefully this person will listen to these podcasts somewhere along the line. When I was an undergrad, he and I were good buddies and then when we graduated we went to work and we would check with each other every like three or four months how much we each made, making sure that uh, as engineers. <laughs> you were staying in <laughs> <as> check. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's not like we were jealous of each other, but we were just making sure that we were we were where uh, market rate well, needed to be. <laughs> that's yeah. funny. You know, okay, in fact, so that's, that's kind of how this podcast started is you and I used each other as sounding boards for quite a long time at a previous uh, yes. work area. And, and I think that's how this, this podcast kind of – Blossomed, 
if you want to call it that, blossoming. <laughs> yeah, and we don't talk about salaries anymore. Yeah, I bet you don't. So my pick of the week, I've, I'm kind of uh, going off, back off into my uh, uh, TV shows or movies uh, uh, picks, and, and I watched a, a very interesting show last night, a documentary called Being Evil. Uh, and of course, uh, you hear that title and you think I watched a horror movie, which I did not. Uh, this is about Evil Knievel, uh, one of my childhood heroes growing up. Uh, it was done, it was documented, documented by uh, Johnny Knoxville, one of the, the, you know, Hollywood nuts. He's kind of a crazy guy, uh, but he's done his own stunts through the years. And I guess that's why he wanted to do this show. But like I said, I, I grew up kind of idolizing Evil Knievel, like most kids our age, and watching him do all his jumps. But after watching this documentary, talk about a tortured soul. I mean, yeah. and and how he went from thinking he had to have that facade uh, because of all the things that he said through his life of you know being able to do anything that anybody dared him to do. You know, and then being able to, as he got older, try to keep up that facade. And it, it was it was a very interesting documentary. So, you know, if you enjoy stuff like that, I, I would encourage uh, uh, watching that uh, documentary. It, it was I watched it on Hulu. It was on it was on Hulu. So if you subscribe to Hulu, you know that's a that's a good place to watch it. So uh, this was a this was a good show, Sean. I think we'll go ahead and, and uh, wrap it up. We will talk at you later. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man vs. Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit Sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.